welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for everyone who's coming on the live thus far and hope that we are able to say something that will enhance your day. I'm hoping that we'll do something or say something that will just edify the body of believers on today. And if you are not a believer, hopefully we'll say something that will at least spur intrigue and um, and some conversation within your soul about where things stand between you and God on today. we got a jam-packed show in store for you on this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about the McLean verdict that came down yesterday on one of the officers who arrested him, um, the not guilty ver- verdict that came in for him, and, um, and, and some insights on that. We're also going to be talking about what happens when we feel like we deserve everything in the world, but in wanting everything, we end up feeling like we deserve nothing. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to answer the question um, uh, that someone asked in the chat uh, a couple of weeks ago about how to feel when you know we see senseless acts happening to children in um, in school shootings, and we're also going to be talking about how the um, the the San Francisco. Um, um, government has finally erected safety nets for people um, who have, who decide that they want to in you want, want to unalive themselves um, by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. But we're going to begin our conversation um, talking about the the continuing our 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 continuing our journey through the book Gods at War. Uh, we're going to be looking at the God of Entertainment on today. And so, again, we're certainly grateful for everyone who is here, grateful for everyone who has decided to jump on the live. And if you so decide to um, hang out with us, feel free to drop down in that comment box at any time with any questions, comments, or concerns that you may have. All we ask is that you just keep it classy so that way we can stay on the live. Um, but we're certainly grateful for any and all questions that you have. Um, and if we're not able to answer the question today, it will be answered on a future episode of the True Gospel Morning Show. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. Lord God, we're just thankful that you've given us this opportunity to be able to share your gospel truth. Lord, let it be none of me and all of you. May every word that is said, every thought that is thought, Lord God, may it be all of you and none of us. May we decrease in flesh that you may increase in spirit within us. Render to us a word that will edify, magnify, deliver, and set free. Lord God, we're just grateful on today. Grateful that you've given us this this space to be able to share your truth and to be able to come together um, as the body of believers, to be able to just to, to ping off of one another um, the goodness of your grace and your mercy. Lord God, we ask that again, everything that we say on today, Lord God, be edifying for the believers on today. For those who are not, Lord God, we ask that we say something that will pierce the hearts and minds of those who don't have a walk with you, that they may grow to love you, honor you, cherish you, and bless you in both duty and delight. And we thank your son, Jesus Christ, for making all this possible by dying on the cross and rising again, crediting his righteousness to us, that we may be called the children of God and the pathway to heaven uh, be, 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 be paved um, on streets of gold, Lord. And we're just grateful and give your name all praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So to continue our series in the book, Gods at War, um, we kind of as a quick recap, we are now enter. We have now entered the temple of pleasure. Uh, we looked at the god of food, and we've looked at the god of sex, and we've recognized that you know that we should not look to food to be our ultimate comfort in times of stress, but instead we should look to God, who should be our comfort at by virtue of being the comforter. 
We've also looked at the God of sex and looked at how, you know, we can take a good thing and warp it and turn it into a God thing. And in turning it into a God thing, what was meant to bring us together as um, as husband and wife, we're now using it to divide us when we make it all about self-gratification and self-satisfaction. And so God is saying to us that we have to be ever so careful that we not make anything except him be our sole satisfaction and thereby using sexuality as a good gift that God has given us um, to work to worship and honor him. And so on today, we're going to um, go through the final we're going to go through the final phase of the temple of pleasure by looking at the God of entertainment. And from there, we want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter two starting at verse number one as a backdrop for where we're going today. Again, Ecclesiastes chapter two, starting at verse number one. It says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my whole heart how to cheer my body with wine my heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few years of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest for growing trees. I brought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had gathered before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of the kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who went before me in Jerusalem, and also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my, I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity, a striving of the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I'm going to read the first couple of pages of this chapter 7 um, of Gods of War entitled The God of Entertainment. <clears throat> See if you can imagine this one. People arrive hours early for church. On Sunday mornings, they don't just set a backup alarm to assure they wake up in time. They set a backup for the backup. They arrange their schedules to make sure they don't miss gathering to worship. Throughout the week, they talk about what happened on the previous Sunday as excitement builds for the upcoming church service. There are all-day talk shows on the radio devoted to reviewing last week's service and breaking down the next one. There's even a TV show called Church Center that runs highlight clips of church activities that happen across the nation that day. When Sunday comes, the members start loading up their trucks, SUVs, and sedans hours before the service starts. Hurry, Dad says frantically. We're behind again. It's 6 a.m., says Mom. Church doesn't start for five hours. Quote, last time we left at that time, we had to park three miles from the sanctuary and sit in the nosebleed seats. Someday I really want to sit in the front row, but you have to camp out on the church lawn to have any chance for that. The roads are really congested on the way to church. 
no matter how early you leave. At church, there are vehicles parked as far as the eye can see, and folks are out tailgating. Some have elaborate spreads prepared, breaking out portable grills and lawn chairs in the church parking lot. Some have television monitors and satellite dishes so they can catch updates from other worship services while they wait for their own. It's nice weather out today, not that it matters. Even in the dead of winter, they'll be out here in the same numbers. The masses begin filling into the sanctuary, cheering with great passion and excitement. Once the service starts, the people are all on their feet, not that they ever sit down. Of course, a bunch of young guys are in the front row. They've probably been here since Friday night. They have no shirt, and each one has a letter on his chest. Together they spell, get your tithe on. Apparently, the rumor has gotten out that the pastor is indeed going to teach on biblical stewardship and worshiping God with our money. Everyone is pumped for the giving sermon. It's one of the highlights of the year. After several hours, people start looking at their watches. Everyone is thinking the same thing. I hope the sermon goes into overtime. I'm sure you're picking up on my not-so-subtle point. The above scenario seems beyond crazy to us, but if you take out church and put in football, then it seems perfectly sane. The God of entertainment is such to where we will devote our lives to the teams, to the players, to the games, to the uh, to the TV shows, to the entertainers, to the musicians, to the artists, to the books, to you name it, in an attempt and effort to appease the longings of the soul. You have people who love their football teams and their basketball teams and their baseball teams. And I'm guilty. Philadelphia Eagles got my heart. I love that game we had on Sunday. Oh, my God. I'm talking about I had my jersey on. My mama had her jersey on. We were watching the game together, and we were sitting there glued to the TV screen trying to figure out who was going to win this game today. Basketball, Boston Celtics. Y'all see me wearing my jerseys every now and then. Boston Celtics got my heart. I don't know how they got my heart still, you know, with everything that we've gone through. But them jokers got my heart, and them, I'm going to bleed green till I die, I guess, you know, until somebody else comes along and then I start chasing that bandwagon because I'm more of a player than a, than, a, than, a, um, than, a, than a team or when it comes to, you know, basketball and things. Um, but nevertheless, following them around all day, every day. You know, when it comes to um, when it comes to baseball, not so much. But I love watching the World Series. You know, and I'll sit there and watch that. Um, you know, and so we all, we some of us, we we love sports and we love our athletes and we are devoted to them and we buy jerseys and we buy you know knickknacks and we buy all these different things in support of the team that we cherish. Some of us, we we love our um our 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 entertainers. So every movie that the t- that our favorite entertainer is in, every uh, TV show that our favorite entertainer is in, we are glued to everything that they do. 
We, we, we go on Instagram and we go on Facebook and we go on um, X and we go on TikTok and we go on whatever you know site we can to catch a glimpse of them to figure out the next thing that they're doing. When keeping up with the car, with keeping up with the car, Kardashians came on. Everyone was glued to the TV screens to figure out what are the Kardashians up to this day. What are they doing now? Anytime that any of our favorite celebrities have a reality show, we're glued to the TV screen because we just want to be able to to feel like we can touch them, feel like they're approachable. How often that we get on our um, on our phones and we send something in hopes that our favorite person will say something back to us, and our in our hearts swoon when they like something that we say. You know, never, regardless of whether or not they're actually the person that, uh, or it's their, or their, it's their team, you know, or people that are responding to what we're saying. You know, we look at our video games, and our video games are almost like movies now. You know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Spider-Man 2 that just came out, Final Fantasy 16, Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon For- Forbidden West, um, the, the, the Halo games, the Call of Duty games, the G- Gods at War, or um, uh, uh, God of War games, like, we, like, they become massive movies now, massive multiplayers, The Division, massive multiplayer games, and we sit and devote hours upon hours upon hours upon hours playing these games so much so that we block out the rest of the world and we could spend nine ten hours a day playing these games and we're not even playing them for a profit per se you got some people that are doing that for a living now but they're not even playing it for a profit they're playing it just to just so that they can entertain and distract themselves from the world at large, and they'll sit and play these games for for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours on end, and they're trying so so desperately to 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 distract themselves or to have something to feel like they've achieved or accomplished something by playing these games on end. We binge watch Netflix, Hulu, um, Disney Plus, um, Peacock, uh, 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 um, Paramount Plus. You name it. All these streaming sites that we have now. Tubi is out now. Watch Free is on the Vizio, is on the Vizio TV screens now. Crackle. You name it. Apple Plus. All these streaming sites that have all these different shows. And we'll sit and watch hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of show after show after show after show. So much that even Netflix and Hulu and them will sit there and ask you, are you still there? Are you still there? Are you still there? And so on repeat, they're sitting there watching time after time after time, day after day, minute after minute, moment after moment, trying to catch up to all these different um, TV shows that they have in the rosters and the movies and things. And they'll sit there and they'll watch them for hours on end. Um, you, you, um, and it goes so even, even so far as to, um, as to, you know, devour, devote themselves to books that they read. And so they'll go from one book to another, to another, to another. They'll read, they'll read and reread the Harry Potter series. They'll go and they'll, um, and they'll, um, and they'll read every erotica book that comes out, you know, to constantly entertain and fill their minds. They'll go to every fantasy novel that is out there to go and fill their minds. And again, guilty because I'm writing a fantasy novel series right now. And if I got any listeners out there that, um, that happen to be agents, holla at your boy. I would love for my book to be put out there, you know. But nevertheless, we'll, we'll, we'll gorge ourselves on books, on, on the thing that we want to, um, 
on the things that we want to read. And so again, you know, on repeat, we find ourselves time after time after time devoting ourselves to something to entertain ourselves. Devoting ourselves to something that will distract us from the day-to-day. Devoting ourselves to something that we feel makes us feel alive. And as a result, if we're not careful believers of God, we will find ourselves worshiping the very things that were that God designed for us not to not not to not to worship but to just be entertained just to be entertained by. There is nothing wrong with wanting a good distraction. There's nothing wrong with wanting to watch a great show or a great movie. There's nothing wrong with wanting to play a video game. There's nothing wrong with wanting to read a good book. All these things are good things that can roll up to worship to God. And so, again, none of these things in a vacuum are necessarily bad things. But any time that we are devoting ourselves to a thing, so much so that we are elevating it to the point of it, of it being more important than our relationship with God, then as it says, as we've been talking about this whole time, we are now worshiping that thing. How often have we seen people on, you know, on, um, on, you know, TikTok videos and things when their favorite team loses the game, they will destroy their TVs. They will destroy their property. They'll scream in angst, anger, frustration because their team lost. How many people are willing to pour their money saying, I'm betting my money that this team is going to win. That team is going to win. And now that their team is lost, they have lost thousands of dollars because they were so convinced that their team was going to win that they devoted their money to this to this to this victory giving themselves over to gambling as a result of having so much faith in their team not allowing the game to just be a game and being entertained by the game but being so devoted to a team that they're willing to bet their money on it and how often again have we seen people's whole souls be crushed because their favorite player missed the shot or their favorite player missed the catch or their favorite player fell apart. You know, again, talking about the game um, on, on Sunday uh, between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Like, you know, yeah, had my Eagles lost, it would have hurt. But, you know, not going to sit there and be so broke up about it that the next day I can't go to work. M- my mom the same way. Her team lost. But she wasn't so broke up to where she couldn't go to work the next day. But you got some people who have to take a whole week's worth off, work a whole work a whole work week off because their team lost, because they felt like, oh my god, I can't believe my team lost. You have people who will play video games, and they'll get so frustrated that they're not winning the game that they will throw whole controllers. They'll break controllers, break TV screens, break their consoles. Be so frustrated because they didn't win this game. They didn't, they didn't get to where they wanted to go. And they'll, again, spend so many hours playing the game and being devoted to beating this stage that they're missing their children. They're missing their husbands. They're, I mean, they're, they're missing their husbands. They're missing their wives. And they're so devoted to playing this game and making sure they get to this game, trying to, trying to make sure I get past this level. I just got to get through this level. I just got to do this thing that they're missing out on all of the rest of their lives in an attempt to get past this level to get past this game. And once all the dust settles and they're looking around wondering, why am I so alone? 
Why am I so why am I so by why am I so by myself? We spend so much time devoting ourselves to the escapism of a good book or the escapism of good reads or the escapism of of, of the binge watching that we don't deal with or 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 we yeah, we don't deal with the issues that we have in our lives. And so we're constantly distracting ourselves by watching nine hours of Netflix, reading you know, 10, 11 hours on, uh, on end about the, of, of the books that we're reading. And in doing so, we sacrifice time, energy, effort into being devoted to the distractions themselves as if the distractions are what satisfy the longings of the soul. And so what God is telling us today, um, well, let me back up. Because then sometimes we'll be so distracted by what other people are doing, what other people are, what other celebrities are up to, that we're following their entire lives. And so we're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling for five hours, six hours, seven hours on end, trying to figure out where's this celebrity going? Where's this, what is this celebrity up to? What are they doing here? What are they doing there? Buying all their movies, buying all their music, you know, knowing every lyric, knowing everything, spending exorbitant amounts of money to go to the concerts, to go to, um, to go to all these different events that they have in an attempt to feel like they're getting closer and closer to their idol, closer and closer to their celebrity, closer and closer to their favorite artist. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't spend money. I'm not saying that we shouldn't spend, you know, the time to try to get to see a great concert. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go and see our favorite entertainers. Not saying you can't go to the football game. But anytime our joy, our ultimate joy, ultimate peace, ultimate satisfaction, anytime that we are devoting our entire lives to a thing, and, it's, and, 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 and that thing becomes the thing that if we don't have it, we're miserable on the inside. It is showing us and revealing to us that there is something that is attempting to supplant the throne of God and place itself on top of it. And we, the believers in God, got to be ever so careful that we are not devoting more time, more energy, more effort into something else than we are God. As we've said before, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be entertained. Just like there's nothing wrong with wanting sex, there's nothing wrong with wanting food as we're enter as we've entered in and are engaging in the temple of pleasure. We'll get to the other things the further into the temples we go. There's nothing wrong with wanting these things. These things in their proper place are meant to bring us pleasure. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Food is not just meant to be something that we consume for consumption's sake. We are to eat it. We eat it because, you know, we love the flavors. You know, we want specific things. We've, if, if it wasn't for flavors, we just eat gruel all day because it would give us the sustenance that we need. But we're, a we're able to enjoy the different flavors from one day to the next. Sex is not meant just for procreation. Sex is a good thing. It feels good. Again, it feels great when you know what you're doing. It feels awesome. It's amazing. And so it's not just to be um, something that's made for, for reproduction. Otherwise, it'd be mechanical. It wouldn't have any feeling to it. Just do it. The kid is here and be done with it. But God designed it so that it would, um, so that it would bring us pleasure as well. That it would bring us connection with our spouses. That it would allow us to have a deeper spiritual connection as the mingling of the souls. Um, as we know one another. In that same way, entertainment is the same. 
These things are meant to give us a great entertainment. It's it's, we're, we're allowed to be entertained, allowed to be distracted. But anytime we bring those things up to the level of deity, where we're saying this thing is the thing that's going to bring me satisfaction, going to bring me peace, going to bring me joy, going to bring me hope, going to bring me, you know, great passion. God is saying you have elevated that thing to be greater than me. And as believers, we have to check our hearts to make sure that we are not placing anything above him. And so to that end, let's dig back into our book and see what um, what Kyle Eidelman has to say regarding the gods of entertainment. He says, I feel the need to push the pause button at this point because I fear that this may all begin to sound a little legalistic. I'm not trying to construct a tower of rules on this, not saying that entertainment is evil, as we just said before. Far from it. Like food and sex, entertainment is a gift from God, something that can be good until we turn it into a God. After all, how can you not be entertained by God's creation? How can we avoid the conclusion that he entertained himself by putting the world, the stars, and the galaxies together? How do you think he intends us to respond to a rainbow or a mountain range or a seashore? He didn't just give us a bare functional place to live. He gave us a planet of wonders. And so he says, if entertainment is wrong, why did God make make snow so much fun? Why do people in every human culture have the ability to laugh and be amused. He is a God of joy, and he wants us to know that joy. He, quote, richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And think of Jesus, who taught through stories and amusing snippets of life. The story of the prodigal son is often considered the greatest story ever told. His parables were powerful for teaching because they were powerfully entertainment what's the problem with entertainment then solomon one of the greatest figures of the old testament found the answer to that question he pursued entertainment relentlessly looking for pleasure solomon has incredible wealth and power and he spares no expense in trying to entertain himself he begins with laughter but soon he concludes that it's meaningless he tries the life of partying but sees the emptiness of it quickly. He entertains himself by putting on great projects, but um, he has the luxury of all this experimentation because he's vastly wealthy. But Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 2 and 8 tells us that he brought in a choir of men and women and, of course, a harem. But how does it end? With this exclamation, meaningless, meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Nothing is particularly wrong with the entertainment, minus the 999 women. So what is Solomon's problem? He was trying to make it something it wasn't. He was looking for the meaning of life in amusement, trying to find the main event in what was just the shadow.
So he tells us there is a place in life for relaxation through various forms of entertainment, including sports, television, movies, music, and games. But the question is, do we seek to fill the spiritual vacuum inside us with empty entertainment? Or is it the empty entertainment that is creating the vacuum? I suppose it's the chicken and egg question, but there's plenty of evidence that our increasing reliance on the flash and glamour of our entertainment is blinding us to quieter and truer pleasure. So how do we smash the idols? How do we kick them off the heart's throne? Often it's as easy as turning the power off. I'll never forget the first time I went to a church service in Haiti. I'd heard many from, I'd heard from other friends who made similar mission trips about worship services lasting four to six hours. Uh, it caught my attention. I was impressed with that level of commitment. Most preachers in the states will tell you that they have they start losing people if the church service goes much longer than an hour. There's also the pressure to make sure that the hour is filled with enough song and dance and multimedia to hold them. So when I got to Haiti, I spoke to the local Haitian pastor about the time differences in our services. I said, what is it about Haitian people that keeps them worshiping at church for so many hours? It was a mystery to me, and I was hoping for a profound answer that would redefine my ecclesiology. Here's how he responded. He laughed and said, in Haiti, we have nothing else to do. I laughed, but then I was almost immediately struck by the weight of his answer. They didn't have televisions, radios, phones, computers, theaters. The Lord God didn't have much competition. And then I realized the implications of that. What if you went Haitian for a week or two? What if you had a media fast, often other than the requirements of your work? Can I challenge you to eliminate God's competition just for a test and see what happens? Turn off the TV, log off Facebook, turn down the music, unplug the game console, and turn your eyes to the Lord. There's a part in this book that I wanted to um, that I wanted to make sure that I read that um, that was really striking to me. Let's see if I can find it. Here it is. I'll tell you the moment that convinced me that we had a problem. A few years ago, one of my friends traveled to India on a mission trip. After he returned, he was excited to show me the pictures and tell me about his journey. It was always interesting to see the everyday lives of people from other cultures. My friend had a picture of what was essentially the family room of an Indian house. The centerpiece, what we think of as the mantle or the hearth, featured a carved idol. He pointed out that every seat in the room was carefully arranged so that it was facing this idol. I shook my head sadly at the sight of a family with a false god at the very center of its world. A few hours later, I walked in the front door of my house and had a seat in my recliner. I grabbed the remote, turned on the TV, and kicked back in the chair. Suddenly it hit me. My eyes scanned the room slowly, and sure enough, every seat in our room was carefully positioned to face the 50-inch flat screen on my mantle. Don't get me wrong, 
I'm not anti-entertainment. I'm just wondering if we've gone from watching it to worshiping it. So, as we've said in the previous, um, in the previous, with the previous gods, we just want to do a heart check. Because I can tell, you know, it's kind of like, uh, 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 you know, kind of, uh, you know, making you feel some type of way, kind of twitching a little bit. So, let's just do a heart check. Because again, we as the believers in God, we're all in the kingdom. Now, let's be clear. If you are, if you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you are saved. So this is not an indictment on whether or not you are a believer in God, if you are a believer in God. All we're doing is doing a heart check to see whether or not our faith walk with God can go a little bit deeper. And so this is what we're so this is what we're trying to do to see what has the potential to take God off the throne and, and put itself in its place. So here's how we check it. One, what are your favorite forms of entertainment? Spend time thinking about your leisure diet. Is it filled with cultural junk food or do you watch high quality movies, well written books, um, read well-written books, listen to edifying music, and look for intelligent TV broadcasts. And nowadays, podcasts. You know, are we listening? What are we listening to? Because a lot of our podcasts and a lot of our, you know, um, TikTok algorithms are devoted to things that do not, you know, edify the soul. <clears throat> Which ones take up most of our time? And give me your answer. What insights do your choices offer to you, offer as to who you really are and what you really value. Number two, what forms of entertainment have most affected your worldview? And this is something my wife had to check me on about three or four years ago because I used to be big on watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of them in an attempt to have a better, so-called a better understanding of what was going on in the world. But it was driving me, it was making me so bitter so sad, so upset, and she checked me. She was like, dude, it's because you're watching CNN all the time. Turn it off. And I was like, dang, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Like, you're 100% right. Like, I, it's because I'm watching all, I'm watching CNN all the time. No wonder I'm so upset. No wonder I'm so mad at everybody all the time because I'm sitting here watching all this stuff and it's making me mad. So I had to turn it off. So, what forms of entertainment have most affected your worldview? You know, are you, is it the, the, listening to the Beyonce's and the Cardi B's and the Nicki Minaj's of the world, you know, that are, that are entertaining your ear gates? You know, is it watching the different movies and the TV shows that are all about trying to find a man, get a man, find a woman, get a woman, you know, get that bag, be successful, you know, whatever the case is, um, you know, is it, you know, the video games that are, that are providing distraction after distraction after distraction, you got to ask yourself, what is you know, influencing how you view and operate in the world. When, where and when have you exhibited the most passion and excitement? Again, sometimes you can you find people, and this is not an indictment. Let me hear, let me, let me say this clear. What I'm about to say is not an indictment. It's just a heart check. It's a heart check. Sometimes we can be more excited about a football game than we are the goodness of Jesus. Heart posture. So I'm not saying that the same way that you scream for the football game is the same way that you should scream at church. Because sometimes when we're in worship with God, it makes us quiet. It makes us quiet. 
So, you know, so I stopped a long time ago telling people, you need to get up and praise the Lord. If you can get up and do it for a football game, you can definitely do it for the Lord. I had to check myself because I don't do that. I'm very, when I'm, when I'm really devoted to God, I start crying and I get real quiet. I'm not a screamer, not a jumper, not a yeller. I just get real quiet and get real low. I know that about myself. And so, but it doesn't mean that my passion for God is diminished because I'm screaming at the football game. But that's a heart check. You got to know yourself. It's the same heart posture, the same fervor, the same enthusiasm, or even greater for God in the midst of worship or in the midst of devotion or in the midst of, you know, reading or meditating or whatever. Do you have that same passion heart-wise or greater than when you're watching the when you're watching the football game, when you're watching your favorite entertainer, when you're listening to good music and all those sort of things. It's a heart check. You gotta check your heart on that. What kinds of entertainment media have you found to be the most addictive? Again, for most of us, you know, nowadays it's the TikTok era where we, we got our algorithms that give us our echo chambers, that give us what we want to hear time after time after time. I was looking at a, um, uh, uh, one of the um, things I follow on Instagram called um, Tonight's Conversation, and they were saying that a lot of our uh, men and women have placed themselves in echo chambers, and as a result, they've, got, they've gone into this victim mentality where... Rather than looking at themselves and figuring out how am I the problem and how can I make myself better, instead I jump into my echo chamber that says all men are dogs or that, you know, all women are, you know, cuss words and stuff. And I ain't going to say that because I ain't going to disrespect y'all like that. I got y'all. You know, y'all y'all my heart. Um, and so we stay in the echo chambers and we point the finger at everybody else instead of doing a heart check and looking at ourselves and saying, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the issue. And what can I do to work on myself? So we got to ask ourselves, what are we entertaining ourselves with? What are we most addicted to? What has our attention? What has our affection? What has our allegiance? And in checking that, Maybe we can see that our heart's posture is bent in a different direction than bent in the direction of God. I love this question. If you were marooned on a desert island, what forms of entertainment would you miss the most? Again, just a heart check. Just, just a pulse check. What would you miss? If you were stranded on an island, what would you miss the most? Because again, it's just a heart check. Maybe... That thing or these things have the potential to rise above deity. It's not to say that you shouldn't miss those things at all. Because, yeah, I'm a, I miss a whole lot of stuff. Trust. But those things, again, it's a heart check. Do these things have the potential to rise above the level of God and become the thing that we worship and idolize? Because, again, these gods are at war for your soul. They are at war at, for your soul. They're at war for your soul. And so again, we have, to, we, um, we have to look at choosing Jesus over the entertainment. And our author says it like this. Idols are defeated not by being removed, but by being replaced. The God of entertainment promised us a circus. And in our adult world, which can be gray and drab, filled with obligations and responsibilities, that sounded pretty good. We look for attractions 
and surprises and amusements to create us in us a sense of wonder. Maybe we would find it in music or in movies or in games or in sports. The god of entertainment was hawking them all like a carnival barker. Step right up, be amazed, be amused, come one, come all. But in the end, the music was flat, the movies were formulaic, and the games were rigged. The circus would leave town and we wait impatiently for another one to take its place. Then we found our passion in Jesus. If you haven't experienced it for yourself, I get that it sounds ridiculous. How could a dusty old Bible character compete with big budget movies or action-packed games or soulful tunes? But once you know Jesus and passionately pursue him, it seems ridiculous that we thought we could ever find what we wanted on a movie screen, a website, or a playlist. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so I challenge all of us today, as we are now leaving the temple of pleasure and about to enter the temple of power. Check yourself. Check your heart space. And, dis- and check to see whether or not, whether or not you find yourself in a position and place where you are spending exorbitant amounts of time being distracted or consumed by the things that entertain you. Football games are fantastic, okay? Love a good football game. Real good, everybody's scoring really good, like, you know, doing really good. I love a good football game. Got my jerseys, you know, I got my little, you know, Eagles thing. I think y'all might be able to turn the other way. You know, got my little knickknacks, my little Eagles right over there. If I could point right there, we go right there. Like, love my team. But I have to be careful that I'm not putting my team above God to where I'm allowing how that team plays to affect my mood, affect the way I treat my kids, my wife, my friends, the whole nine yards. I love a good video game. Y'all heard me talk about it before. Horizon Zero Dawn had me in a chokehold, okay? I mean, I was play, I played that game twice. I, be, I went through that game twice. That's how good that game is. I might go back and do it a third time just for kicks. That game is so good. But I cannot allow the playing of that game to rise above the level to where I'm spending more time playing the game than I am spending time with my wife and kids. I'm spending more time playing the game than I am doing getting my work done. I'm, you know, playing the game more often than I am seeking God's face and talking to him and meditating to him and devoting my life to him. Yes, I can play the game. I don't have to spend nine hours a day on it. Maybe an hour, maybe two, but I shouldn't have, I shouldn't be spending nine hours a day on the game unless I'm single and ain't got nothing else to do today. And even then, you still need to check the heart to see whether or not you're putting more emphasis and effort in trying to beat that game than you are God. But again, I digress. We got to check our heart postures when it comes to our music and our movies and our TV shows. What are we allowing into our ear gates and to our eye gates on repeat time and time and time and time and time again? What has the the ability to influence us, to influence how we think, to influence how we feel, to influence who we are? How often are we using entertainment to distract us from our real world problems? 
that instead of dealing with the issues, we instead just let allow the life to distract us so much so to where we don't deal with the issues, only to find that the issues never left. How often are we entering our echo chambers of our social media sites in an attempt to feel good about ourselves in the issues that we have rather than actually looking at the issues? Wanting somebody to validate our existences rather than being checked and challenged by how, of how we think and how we feel about things. Allowing ourselves to actually sit under the, um, under the, uh, the full counsel of God, the full weight of the full counsel of God, and allowing him to check us on where we are in the light of where he's trying to take us. We, the people of God, have to be so careful that we are not distracting ourselves by entertainment so much so that we find ourselves worshiping entertainment. Entertainment has its place. Food has its place. Sex has its place. Entertainment has its place. They're all meant to give us pleasure. But those pleasures were never meant to roll up to worship. God is our ultimate satisfaction. God is our ultimate peace. God is our ultimate joy. And unless and until we we devote our lives to him being at the uppermost of our attentions and our affections, those gods will war for our hearts in such a way that they'll pull us away from him. So check your heart today and see whether or not there is something in the temple of pleasure that is causing you to turn away from God and to turn to them for your ultimate peace, joy, and satisfaction. God says, I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your satisfaction. And through devote, through worshiping me, you can then devote your, you can then devote yourself to me and use the good gifts that I've given you and in an attempt to enjoy those things, but enjoy them in a proper way to where I'm being glorified, regardless of what you're doing. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're certainly grateful for the 1,700 likes that we have received thus far. Certainly grateful for each and every one of you, every like, every comment, every follow, every share. Um, if you've missed any part of this message or would like to hear our past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and um, subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode that we've created since our inception. We certainly thank you so much, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. What would Jesus say about the officer who was arrested, um, who arrested Elijah McCain being found not guilty by the jury when they reached their verdict on um, yesterday? Aurora Police Officer Nathan Woodard was found not guilty by a Colorado jury Monday on all charges related to the death of Elijah McClain, an unarmed 23-year-old black man who died after he was wrestled to the ground by police and injected with ketamine by paramedics on, in 2019. Woodyard had pleaded not guilty to charges of reckless manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide in connection with McClain's death. The officer remained suspended from the department without pay pending the outcome of the trial. The charges stem from the arrest of McLean on August 24, 2019, when officers responded to a call about a suspicious person wearing a ski mask, according to the indictment. The officers confronted McLean, a massage therapist, musician, and animal lover, who was walking home from a convenience store carrying a plastic bag with iced tea. In an interaction captured, by, captured on body camera footage, police wrestled McLean to the ground and placed him in a carotid hold and paramedics later injected him with the power powerful sedative ketamine. He suffered a heart attack on the way to the hospital and was pronounced um, unalive three days later. Cal Colorado Attorney General Philip Weiser expressed disappointment over Woodyard's acquittal, but said he and his team respect and accept the outcome. Speaking outside of the courthouse shortly after the verdict was read, Weiser said he is thinking of McLean's mother, Shanine uh, McLean, who has fought hard to keep her son's memory alive and to live on as a blessing. Trying to go further down. Dr. Roger Mitchell Jr., a forensic pathologist who reviewed McLean's autopsy, testified the cause of death was complications following acute ketamine administration during a violent subdual and restraint by law enforcement emergency response personnel. He testified that there was a direct causal link between the officer's actions and McLean's death. However, the defense argued the carotid holds were appropriate because McLean was physically resisting. Defense attorneys also argued there was no evidence the officer's actions led to his death and instead placed the blame on the paramedic's decision to inject McLean with a dose of ketamine too large for his size. The use of ketamine, a powerful sedative by emergency responders to tranquilize people against their will, has raised controversy and triggered investigation, investigations in multiple states. Dr. David Buther, a pulmonary critical care physician, testified on cross-examination. He believed McLean would not have died if the paramedics had recognized his issues and intervened. Um, give me one second before I continue. Um, which day is this? Oh my gosh. Is the... Okay. And so, so there, there are two things that are happening in this space that I um, want to address today. Um, one, obviously, you know, and I'm going to go ahead and just rip the Band-Aid off. Um, you know, once the Black Lives Matter movement, you really picked up steam in 2020. Um, a lot of these cases where we saw unarmed black men, you know, being, you know, subdued and, you know, you know, unalived. 
um, by you know police officers really it's really started to ramp up and we 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 know we've known it's been happening but we saw a huge ramp up of it. Um, you know, it's in terms of it being placed on cameras and we actually being able to see these things happening in real time. But it seemed like no matter how much footage we get of these things happening, the officers in question were always able to get off because, you know, they're, you know, or they're, you know, um, they're resisting arrest or I feared for my life and safety or, you know, all these different things. And so it always seems like instead of going toward the path of least resistance, you know, in order to subdue the criminals, it's always going to the path of most resistance, um, you know, to, to subdue, you know, and capture, you know, people who are unarmed. Um, and so it's very sad um, to see that, you know, that this happened to this person and that it seemed like the path of least resistance for the officers was to use this carotid hold and in an attempt to try to get this guy to be subdued. Regardless of whether he's guilty, regardless if he's a suspicious person or not, it seems like the path of least resistance was one that could have been tamed just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, for the sake of the, for the jurors who, you know, were trying this case, their, their job was to see was to see with the evidence that was placed before them whether or not the officer subduing this this person was the cause of his death and they concluded that the cause of him passing away was the ketamine shot given by the paramedics and not what the cops had done and I can understand the link between the two because in the prosecution's mind, had the person, had Elijah McClain not been tackled in the first place, there would have been no need for the paramedics to show up at all. And so they were making the, the connection, which is justified, that instead of using the carotid hold, which was unnecessary for an unarmed person, all you instead needed to do was something different that would actually keep his carotid artery intact rather than going so hard on him because he's resisting arrest and instead, you know, do something different that would then not cause the paramedics to have to show up at all. But instead, you went with the carotid hold, messed with this man's carotid artery for no reason, and then when he started, you know, passing out, puking on himself, now you want to call the paramedics now that he's kind of, you know, acting a little gimpy and want to try to bring want to try to bring him back to life. Now again, the jurors found that it wasn't the carotid hold that killed this person, that unalived this person. Sorry, TikTok, please don't ban me. But instead, it was the ketamine shot that the paramedics gave. That was the fatal blow that caused this person to pass away. Now, if I'm a paramedic, you know, I'm assessing the situation for what it is and giving the best possible care that I can, given the situation, I would hope, I would assume. I don't think the paramedics, I'm hoping the paramedics didn't go in with ill intent. 
You know, I did, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't ex, I wouldn't expect that of them. I mean, I try not to expect it from cops, but you know, we we live in the world that we live in. But I wouldn't expect it from the paramedics more so than I would the the officers. But again, because of the direct causal link, you know, that it was the ketamine that caused the problem and not the carotid hold that caused the problem. The jurors decided this officer shouldn't be blamed. And it hurts. It hurts. Because, again, had they not used the carotid hold in the first place to subdue a person who doesn't have a weapon on him at all and is not, you know, posing a serious threat to anyone or anything. Ski mask or no ski mask. Not causing a threat. Then maybe. Maybe. Right, that's exactly what happened. The, the jurors found that it was the ketamine that made that, that caused it and not the carotid hold that caused him to pass away. And because of that, he gets to go off scot-free. Now, let's keep it, and again, keep in mind, the civil suit has already been done. The, the, the family got $15 million. To God be the glory for the $15 million because y'all deserve it. That's, this should not have happened. But he should also be held responsible because, again, he did not follow his training. At least that's what we are, that what, what I'm assuming because the training that I hear all cops give is the path of least resistance. That you don't start with the hardest thing and I don't care what anybody says. It was the heat of the moment. You know, things got crazy. And it is the... No. You're trained to be calm in the midst of heated situations. I know. My parents are cops. My brother's a cop. They're trained. The path of least resistance. The path of least resistance. The least amount of lethal force especially when a person's unarmed Re whether they resist arrest or not you're not to use the path of the most resistance possible it's always the path of least resistance the least the the, the non-lethal force so there was no reason for this dude this little dude he put in a carotid hold. But again, because it wasn't the direct cause of Mr. McLean's, you know, unaliveness, he gets to walk. Scripture tells us, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Tells us, do not repay evil for evil, but to overcome evil with good. To pray for our enemies. To pray for those who, you know, spitefully use us. When I tell you, it's moments like these. Can I come, can I come, come on Christians. Can, can we talk? It's moments like these that make those sentiments very difficult. 
It makes it so flipping difficult. Because we know accidents and mistakes happen. But when we keep seeing this as patterns, it makes it real hard to forgive somebody for the patterns we keep seeing. That's why I thank God for the Savior that we serve, who ain't petty like us. Because after a certain point in time, I'll be like, you know what? I Enough's enough, man. Like, psh. Mm-mm. Enough's enough. But thank God that we don't serve a God like that, that he's patient with us. And so just like the guy who forgave the lady who unalived his brother, went up to her and hugged her and said, I forgive you during her sentencing. We, the believers in God, and I'm talking, come on believers, I'm talking to us. The believers in God, as much as it hurts, as much as it pains us in our community, once again, having to see this injustice being served, we got to forgive. We, we got to love. We got to show compassion. When they go low, we go high. That It ain't easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to forgive somebody who said something about you 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years ago. It's not easy to forgive someone who scandalized your name. You know, God's still doing another, can I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I be honest? God's still doing the work on me about them people who called me working for the KKK, okay? I'm still working on that, you know? But God said I got to forgive them too. It hurts. Well, we got to forgive them. We got to forgive them. We got to love them. You didn't say we got to love them, you know, like be best for besties, but you know, but we still got to show love one to another because how else will they know that we are his disciples except by how we show love one to another? By this, they will know that we are his disciples. So we have to love those who hate. We have to love those who have hurt us. In the box, um, Leah asked, "How? Uh, first of all, good morning, by the way. Um, but how do you know if someone have have, um, have you fully, fully fully forgiven someone? You know, we know when we have put when we are in a place where what has happened to us no longer affects us. When what's happened to us no longer affects our day to day. We don't have to be best friends with the people who have hurt us. And I'm not suggesting that." What I am saying is what they did to us no longer affects us. We're no longer impacted by what someone has done. It no longer guides and leads our day to day. They no longer have the power to alter and affect our daily walk of life. We've allowed God to enter that space and say in that space, God, I'm living for you and not for them. I'm not placing them on the throne to dictate how I act and how I move and how I and how I um and how I and how I respond to things. And in that same way, we the the believers in God, we gotta be so careful that we don't allow moments like what happened in this in this case with Elijah McLean to now affect how we treat people. Because can I be honest? 
a lot of what's happened in the in the past three years, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, has caused a lot of black people to really despise white people. And that's not godly. I'm sorry. That's not godly. Because it ain't all of them. And black people can be just as racist as white folk can. And so we got to be careful that we are Christians first. I embrace my blackness, but I'm, I'm Christ's first. Christ can have my blackness. I own my blackness, but Christ can have my blackness. Because if, if, if there's somebody that I got to talk to, somebody I got to reach, somebody I got to deal with, and he's not of my race, I can't say to God, well, he ain't black, so. That's not what God called us to do. He said to make disciples of all nations. Black, white, purple, pink. So we can't allow this situation to dictate how we, the believers, continue to act in the world. This hurts. It's just a yet another reminder of the brokenness of this world that we live in. But we can't allow this to cause us to then act as if we are superior or inferior to anyone. Christ is above all. And in that, he levels the playing field. And it's our job to be the hands and feet of Jesus every single day in an attempt to usurp and upend those very strongholds. We won't complete the mission until Jesus comes back. But every single day, every single day, we continue to move forward day by day, moment by moment, in an attempt to try to show the world who Christ is and what he has done for each and every one of us. Again, what happened to Elijah McClain sucks. Sucks. And heart grieves. Because, once again, we find, here we go, let's find another excuse as to why we shouldn't, why we should acquit the officers who can't use the path of least resistance for an unarmed black man. Here we go again. This, this, this keeps going. Let's blame somebody else for it. And yet, in that same space, we, we can hold the tension between the anger and fury that we have for our systems of government that are set up and designed to allow cops to keep copping, while at the same time recognize that Christ died for all. And we're able to hold that tension together and in that space say, Lord, help me to not harbor anger or malice or bitterness in my heart to where I'm then taking it out on your creation. Because all of creation, all of creation needs your love. All of creation needs your blessing. All of creation needs your forgiveness. All of creation needs your peace. And God, if I was in need of a savior. What does that mean for the rest of the world? 
knowing my sins and my shortcomings and my failings and my faults and flaws that should have land should have been landed me in the hell. If you need a patience with me, I know you need patience with other people. So God, thank you for forgiving me. And may the same forgiveness that you've given me be poured out onto others that they may worship you. Because yes, justice may not come the way that we want it to. But who's to say that the fact that this man is acquitted means that he actually got off? We don't understand the mind of God. And sometimes, check this. A tortured soul in freedom is worse than a free soul in captivity. A tortured soul in freedom is worse than a free soul in captivity. So we don't know what God is up to as he set this man free. But may he see the love of God and the patience of God and the forgiveness of God and turn his face toward him. Because who knows? Maybe God is saying, I'm giving you one more shot before I have to do something real drastic in order to show you that you cannot make it in this world without me. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for the 1,900 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you have any questions or comments that you wish to let us um, know about, hit me down in the comment box below and hit me up and let me know what questions you may have. May not get to them today, but on a future episode of the True Gospel Morning Show, I promise we're going to answer every question that you post that you pose here on this show. If you missed any part of this message or like to hear past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and catch up on every episode from our inception to now. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for the 2,000 likes that we received thus far. Go ahead and keep those likes coming. And again, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, feel free to hit us down in that comment box below with any questions that you may have. We may not be able to get to them today, but on a future episode of this podcast, we will certainly answer every question that you put into the chat. And so, again, we're thankful, and um, and we just give God glory for everything that he's doing through this show and hope that you are definitely getting something out of it. A lot of people are commenting on today, and so I'm certainly grateful for everything that you guys are saying. Um, and, again, just ask that you continue to keep it classy so that way we don't have to hit you with that nice little mute button and keep, and keep ourselves from getting banned off of TikTok. Today, during our sanctification session, I want to talk to us about what it means when we want everything and nothing at the same flipping time. We want everything and nothing at the same flipping time. I'm talking with this client, and the client comes in, um, and when we initially meet each other, she talks about the fact that she wants to be in a relationship. She wants to be in love. She wants to have friendships. She wants to be connected to people. And so I, you know, in talking with her, I'm telling her, well, you know, if you want to be connected to people, you got to put yourself in environments where people are. Um, You have to put yourself out there. You know, you got to you know, build a life for yourself that allows you to be, you know, kind of, you know, spreading your wings as it were. Um, And in time, people will, you know, naturally gravitate themselves towards you as you're naturally gravitating toward them. And then you'll be able to build relationships and friendships in that way. And she said to me, but I don't want to do that. You know, I feel like I shouldn't have to do that. I feel like, you know, I deserve for people just to naturally come to me, you know, and just naturally love me. And I said, well, yeah, that you may feel that way, but you know, there's, you know, if you don't have any friends right now and you've been trying it that way, maybe you need to try something different in an attempt to try to gain these friends and these relationships that you want. And she said, but I don't feel like I should have to do that. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm the bomb.com and everybody should just love me and want to be around me and want to be with me. I said, okay, well, you know, then how are you going to go and make these friends? And she's like, I don't know, because it seems like everybody in there, you know, everybody is so, you know, stuck on themselves and want to do their own thing and things like that. And I just don't know where the, I don't know where to meet people. And, you know, I'm swiping left and swiping right and trying to find guys and this, that, and the third. And it's like, okay. Well, you know, if you're swiping left and swiping right, you know, how are these dates going and things like that? And she says, you know, well, you know, I like going on dates and stuff, but I don't like small talk. You know, I like getting straight to the point and I like doing this and I like doing that. It's like, okay. And so, you know, when you do find somebody who's into deep stuff like you are, you know, then what? And she's like, you know, yeah, you know, I like the deep conversations and everything, but I feel like, you know, the deep conversation, they just last, they don't last, they, they either last too long or they don't last long enough. And I just don't understand, you know, why, you know, they're, they're spending so much time talking when we could be doing other things. It's like, what are the things you want to do? She's like, basically, you know, like I want to sleep with them and stuff like that. And, and then, you know, sometimes I, I, when I do sleep with them, they don't give me what I really need or what I really want. And so, you know, I find this other person who can actually give me what I need and what I want, but then, you know, I'm so scared of being lonely that I stay with this person because at least I'm with somebody, but I don't want to be with this person because this person isn't giving me what I want or what I need, but I don't want to be alone. And so, you know, I'm just having a really hard time trying to figure out how to, you know, how to maintain friends and how to maintain relationships and, and things. And I really just feel like, you know, I deserve to have these things because I'm a great person and I'm a great person to be around and I'm a great person to love, but I don't want to do any of I don't want to, I don't feel like I should have to do any of this work. I don't feel like I just, exactly. Yes! Stop it, CJ! Nikki know what I'm talking about. Exactly! <laughs> you nailed it. 
<laughs> you nailed it. And so, um, I saw it. <laughs> now, that's the summary of all of the sessions that we've had so far. I've, I've seen this woman at least six or seven times. And that's how our conversations go every single time. No matter what type of solution we co I come across that may help her in some type of way, it's always met with, I don't feel like I should do that. I don't feel like I should have to do that. I feel like I deserve. I feel like they should just grovel at my feet. I feel like I'm, you know, so worthy of being in a relationship and being in love or whatever the case is that I, it, I that, you know, I feel like I should dictate how people, you know, are with me. And as a result of that, no matter what I give her, she's unwilling to do the work. She's unwilling to do the work. She's going, she's going to outthink herself from doing the work that needs to be done in order to build the life that she wants to build for herself. Some people call it, um, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but they describe it this way, that when you have so many options, it paralyzes you from making a choice. Maybe that's what she's dealing with. I'm not sure. But it is, but it, I believe it's also the case that sometimes we are so afraid of doing something that the actual doing it causes us to retreat. I told her, you are so comfortable with where you're at that at the, the, the second that things get uncomfortable, you're like a rubber band. Dog it, I wish I had a rubber band in here. I know where one's at, too. Dog it. Not in here. Man. But every time you start to move in a specific direction, the second you feel uncomfortable, you snap back to where you're comfortable. The moment you start moving in discomfort, you snap back to what's comfortable. And your comfortable space is doing nothing. You don't want to have to work to earn anything that you want in this life. You think everything should be handed to you. Every, no, no. And so I told her, it's almost, it's like going to school. You go to school to be what you want to be. And you got to go through everything you got to go through in order to get this degree. So if it says you got a four-year degree, you got to go to all the classes. You got to do all the trainings. You got to do all these things. You got to do all that to get the degree. She immediately tried to dismiss it by saying, well, going to school is different than trying to make friends. I said, no, it's not. No, it's not. Because you still got to go to school. Something that none of us wants to do unless we just straight are nerds and love going to school. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you a nerd and love school, go to school and enjoy school. Do what you do. But for the vast majority of us, don't nobody want to go to school. Don't none of us want to go to school. None of us want to pay these student loans. But guess what? If we want this degree, if we want this job, if we want this money, we got to go to school. And so we go and we do the stuff we don't want to do so we can do the stuff that we want to do. The second we feel uncomfortable, if we retreat every time we feel uncomfortable, we never accomplish anything. Some of us are so fixated on comfort 
believing that the world should be handed to us. That the second that our feet get into the fire, we're retreating back to our safe space. And we as believers are the same way. We want to believe in Jesus when it's convenient. We want to believe in Jesus when it's comfortable. We want to believe in Jesus when it's all gravy. Getting all the blessings. Having a high time in the Lord. No problems or issues or, or, or complications. But the second that our feet step into some fire, the second that we're entering trials, the second we're entering tribulations, the second we're entering discomfort, I ain't even going to say trials and tribulations, discomfort, we're running to our safe space. We're running to the space where, mm -mm, uh-uh, no, I don't want to do that. Nope, I don't want to go there. Mm -mm, I don't want to do that. And so a lot of us are comfortable in our faith. But we also wonder why we're not growing. We're comfortable in our faith, but we're wondering why we're not growing. Christ says, if you abide in me and I in you, I'm going to make you bear fruit. For those who are being grafted into the tree, for every tree that doesn't bear fruit, it's being burned. For every tree that bears fruit, it's being pruned. The pruning process hurts like a mother. But it hurts because God's got to cut away at things so that we can bear more fruit. Some of us live in downtown satisfaction when it comes to our faith. And I talk to, I talk to us about this a lot, where we are so satisfied with our faith being where it is, we don't care to grow. We don't care to grow. I'm comfortable. I'm satisfied. I'm content. We're not hungry to grow in God. We're not hungry to grow in his grace. We're not hungry to grow in his truth. We're not hungry to grow in his blessing. Not hungry to grow in his power. We're comfortable with where we are. And so when God presents an opportunity for us to grow in him, for us to delight more in him, to see His the might of the full weight and measure of God in our lives, because it causes the slightest bit of discomfort. Nope. I want nothing to do with that. But then wonder, why am I not growing? Why am I not growing? Why am I not growing? Where is God at? I don't feel like, I don't feel him. I don't feel his presence. I don't feel his joy. I don't feel his peace. I'm comfortable in him, but I don't, I'm not experiencing him like I used to. The question is, are you walking outside of your comfort zone? Sometimes this comfort is reading your Bible five minutes longer than you, than you normally would. 
sometimes discomfort is turning off the music for five minutes longer than you normally would in driving in silence and actually sitting in your thoughts. I was talking to a client yesterday and I was telling him, you got to learn how to hold negative feelings. I don't like, fe I don't like negativity. Dude, you got to learn how to hold a negative feeling because you're running away from negativity is the reason why your family's in shambles right now. You can't hold space for a negative feeling. You run away from your feelings every five seconds so that you don't have to feel so that you have to feel bad stuff. Your feelings are neither good nor bad. You make them good or bad and you dismiss the bad ones in favor for the fun ones. And you don't hold space. You're not meditating on the things that you need to meditate on in order to grow. Satisfied in the good times, but not recognizing how bad things are, because to recognize how bad things are would make you feel like you're a bad person. And you ain't got to be a bad person to go through hard times, but you need to recognize them for what they are. We, as a believers in God, we can't hold space for five extra minutes just to meditate on the goodness of Jesus. let alone how we're really feeling about things. Sometimes discomfort is going into a space where you know the opposition is, but God has ordained it such to where you gotta go. To, 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 to serve, to be a part of, to, to, to grow in, whatever the case is. But because it feels uncomfortable for five seconds, I don't wanna, mm -mm, nope, nope, I don't wanna do that. I don't do that. God calls us. I got to talk to this person. I got to talk to that person. Now, I don't want to say how, how what, what you call me and say, God, because they, they, they might look at me funny. They might look at me weird. They might not like me. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. No, you don't want to make yourself uncomfortable. I don't want to make them feel bad. No, you don't want to make yourself feel bad. How often are we not walking in the discomfort that comes with the pruning process, the refiner's fire that, that purifies us because it's uncomfortable while screaming at the same time, I want to grow. Just like my client, I want a relationship. I want friends. I want this. I want that. But I don't want to do none of the work. They should just naturally come to me because I'm such a great person. Well, if you're such a great person, why are you so worried about being in a relationship? Why are you so worried about being having friends? If you're such a great person, shine your light. Be a flipping light bulb, a flipping Christmas tree and shine so that people will naturally gravitate towards you like a moth to the flame. If you're that great a person, what are you doing to step outside of your comfort zone? So that maybe these people can be your friend in the same way we as the believers got to step outside of our comfort zone so that we can grow in our faith. For many of us, we've grown too comfortable we're too comfortable in our faith walk. Somebody was saying it on um, Tim Ross's The Basement that every revival 
real revival. I ain't talking about your annual revival at your church that, you know, you bring some celebrity pastor in to preach for three nights and everybody have a Holy Ghost good time, but ain't nobody really changing. I'm talking about a real revival of, you know, supernatural being where you got 15,000 people being saved in a week. True revival. He said, revival often happens. When the people are God, a people of God are the most complacent and the most persecuted. That's when true that's when true revival tends to break out. When we've gotten too complacent, too comfortable, and persecution happens. If you look throughout not just biblical history, but church history. The Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, you know, the, 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 all, all those different revivals, the Reformation, all those things happen because of complacency and persecution. We, the people of God, are growing way too comfortable in our faith. And I'm not asking for persecution to make me want to have a relation, a deeper relation with the Lord. I don't want that. I don't want, please don't give me that. I do not want that. I do not want that. And so I ask and pray every single day that we, the people of God, recognize our complacency and recognize our comfort and ask God, prune me so that I can bear more fruit. Fruit in my families fruit in my relationships with my spouses, fruit in my relationships to the people on my jobs, fruit on at the schools, you know, fruit you know in the churches, fruit, you know, online, wherever God places us. Prune us God so that we can bear more fruit. Teach me to be comfortable with being uncomfortable so that I don't quell or quench the spirit that's trying to break out wherever I'm at. So we thank God on today that he gives us this opportunity to check our hearts and see what are we so afraid of to when the discomfort comes, we're running for the hills. Christ tells us Expect tribulation. Expect trial. And those boys, when they were talking about it, they were talking about expect somebody to come for your head. Nowadays, our feelings get hurt. And, uh, uh. and I'm talking about myself too. Somebody said a bad thing about, oh my God. I can't believe they said that. Come on, bro. Come on. They said, they said things about Jesus. You should expect nothing less out of people. Because even on the best day, your best friend can become your enemy overnight. So I'm saying all that again to say, you can't say that you want more of God, but at the same time, poo-poo his hand when he's trying to prune us to give us exactly what we asked for.
If we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. But he never said how he'd give it to us. And so you got to ask yourself the question, are you lessening the, the potential that God has placed inside of you in exchange for comfort? You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for the 2,100 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, comment, follow, and share. If you have any questions or comments that you wish to share with me, feel free to hit me down in that comment box below, and I'll try to get to every question um, at some point on the True Gospel Morning Show on a future episode. If you missed any part of this recording, you can go to um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. We thank you so much. When we, when we come back, we're going to answer a question from the chat. And so looking forward to that. We'll be right back in just a moment. Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 2,100 likes that we've received today. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit me down in that comment box below with any questions or comments that you may have for the show. Just like this one. Um, someone had placed in the chat a few weeks ago, um, and with everything that's going on in Gaza right now and on, in Israel, of course, this this Subject keeps coming up time and time again. Asked about the, this question in particular. Was talking about here in the states, but nevertheless, was upset about kids getting shot. Um, as we've said before, so I shall say again. 
if you're on the show and you're listening, um, here is my disclaimer. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you will never understand what it is that we're talking about. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you will never understand what we're talking about. It's not a knock against you. It's just how God says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These things that God has given to us have been spiritually um, discerned, are spiritually revealed. These things that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what the God has prepared for those who love him. Those things have been revealed to us by the Spirit. And so you have to have a relationship with the Lord in order for these things to be revealed. Like it, it's not, you're not going to get it in the natural. The, the, the natural man cannot discern these things, but only the spiritual man can. And by the spiritual man, we need a relationship with the Lord in order to discern the things of the Lord. We cannot do this without him. It's the great mystery, but it is one that is that um, that once you're in the kingdom, it all makes sense. So I'm not expecting anybody who hears what I'm about to say to understand it fully unless they have a relationship with the Lord. And if you're already coming with opposition against the Lord, then you're never going to understand what we're talking about. So that's my disclaimer in saying what I'm about to say. We live in a broken world where broken people do broken things all the time. We live in a world where people feel like in order for their grievances to be heard, they have to use violence to do so. We live in a broken world where people will allow people to just buy these, 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 these guns that are not necessary in the world that we live in. We're not at war. We're not in, we're not in war here in the States with anybody, you know, that requires that we have these high powered rifles. We're not, we're not in a situation where we're having to hunt any type of, you know, wild beasts on a regular basis we ain't out here trying to survive no zombie apocalypse so there's no reason for us to have these high-powered weapons right but we live in a broken world where people because of the, mo the money that they're getting from the lobbyists are going to continue to advocate for people to buy guns all willy-nilly and post on their, their their instagrams and on their facebooks and on their twitters that you ain't taking my guns from me and so, you know, we live in a broken world where that, where that is still allowed, that, that people still allow that thing to happen, despite the fact of everything, all the evidence that we have that says we don't need these things. We live in a broken world where because of greed, because of money, people are allowed to do whatever they want to do, and it's my right, it's my amendment right to do it. Cool. Do what you do, Slick. Now, because we live in that broken world, where people, you know, are they, they have free will, they have a mind, they have a heart, and their hearts are broken, and for whatever, whatever way, shape, or form, they feel like the way to go about, um, you know, airing their grievances is to go about and doing harm to whoever they want to do harm to, whether it be men, women, or children. Broken people do broken things to broken people all the time. All the time. Broken people do broken things to broken people all the time. And so we got to be so, ever so careful. We got to be ever so careful that we're not putting ourselves in a place or a position where we feel as though, why would God, if he's so good, if he's so good, why would he allow these things to happen? In the permissive will of God, he gives everybody free will. 
We are free to do with that free will what we wish. It's a choice that we make. If God's so good, why would he allow things to happen in Israel the way they're happening right now? Because God gives people free will. Can we can we can we can we really call a spade a spade? Those people aren't following God anyway. They're not following Christ anyway. Because if they were following Christ in the moment, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. So God's not allowing them to do that. God doesn't condone it. They're choosing to go a different way that is contrary to the character and nature of God. In that same vein, look at yourself. What have you done that has been contrary to the character and nature of God? Because in the same way that you're, we're casting judgment upon people who commit senseless acts against kids. God is saying that same judgment is reserved for you. That same judgment is reserved for me. That same judgment is reserved for anybody who is choosing to live a life that is not patterned after the character and nature of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. A spiritual torture and torment. All of us deserve that. I don't understand why God would create a place like that then. Because if God didn't create a place like that, then we would all be spending eternity with him. And some of us don't want anything to do with him. The worst thing about hell is that God is not there. It doesn't matter whether it's full of fire or torture or torment or whatever. It's a place where God is not. God is, has his hands on everything in this world right now and he's holding back a whole lot of stuff that we ought to be experiencing. Can you imagine what this world would be like? I'm talking to the believers in the house. Can you imagine what this world would be like if God were completely absent? I don't want to. But again, I don't understand why God would create a place where we were here, where all that would be. Why would you want to serve eternity with a God you don't want anything to do with now? Make it make sense. You want the benefits of heaven, but you don't want the God of the benefits of heaven. The math don't math. So again, we say all that to say, we as the believers in God, or rather, we, yeah, yeah, we as the believers of God, when we look out into the world and see the things that we see, we know this is a broken world and broken people do broken things. And all of us deserve the same judgment that we're trying to heap up on somebody else. So for all the people who are so up in arms about people who, 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 who condone abortion, oh my God, you're condoning abortion. Okay. 
and you're co and, and you're condoning, you know, homelessness. You're condoning people not having access to health care. You're condoning separation, splitting families apart. You're condoning not giving women who are in need of assistance with raising their children because rent has gone so high because of greedy landlords who are constantly raising the prices on rent everywhere we go. You're not wanting to give them assistance with these kids that you want them to keep. Make it make sense. So again, we are all guilty and we're all deserving of the penalty of sin. And that's why we need a savior to save us. So, yeah, it's bad when we see senseless acts that are, you know, that are, that are, um, you know, that are, that children are harmed in. Absolutely, that sucks. But what's the age limit on six, on senseless acts? Is it 18? Is it 25? Is it 46? Is it 65? When is it okay to commit senseless acts? We're so worried about the children. What about the grown-ups? So, so, so children don't deserve it, but adults do? What's the age limit on that? When you go to college, is it okay then? When you get grown and you got your degree, it's okay then? Well, God doesn't condone any of it. Now, I know you care so much about the babies. Oh, it's the children. Oh, the children. But when it's unarmed black men, is it okay then? Make it make sense. Uh, the senseless acts against children, why would God... Why would God allow senseless acts to happen against unarmed black men? Make it make sense. That's why for us as the believers, we live in a broken world where broken people do broken things. And, it's, and it hurts. It's sad, makes us feel bad, but at the end of the day, we as the believers in God recognize that's why we all need a savior. That's why we all need Jesus. That's why we all need a relationship with him because only Christ can undo this mess. And even on our best day, the mess is not gonna be eradicated until Jesus comes back. And our hope and prayer is that we're on the side of right when he decides to finally eradicate this world of all sin. We understand it sucks when we see this stuff happening. I get it. I'm with you on that. But at the end of the day, don't let that be the reason you don't believe in God. Because again, at the end of the day, if you want God to eradicate that, then you're asking God to eradicate you. 
all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And God loves us so to where he would want no one to perish, but that we all come to repentance. And so just like he had patience for you, just like he had patience for me, rather, talking to the unbelievers now, just like he had patience for me, I know he's got patience for you. You just got to be, you, uh, when are, when are you going to surrender? That's how he feels about the kids. He loves all, he loves all of us. The question is, what's stopping you from loving God? And if that's the hill you're going to die on, then do what you do. I just hope you have that same energy when it's an unarmed black man. I hope you have that same energy when it's homeless people on your street corner. I hope you have that same energy when it's, you know, you know, kids in your neighborhoods. I hope you have that same energy when it's senseless acts happening down the street. The gangs that are doing violence all over the place. I hope you have that same energy when it comes to giving women who, you know, are in need of assistance, men who are in need of assistance. I hope you have that same energy. Because there's a whole heap of bad things happening all around you. But you want to carry the energy for the senseless acts happening against kids. There's a whole bunch of senseless acts happening around you all the time. Where is the energy for those things too? What hill are you going to continue to die on day after day after day? At the end of the day, you're choosing that thing to be the reason why you don't want to have a relationship with God. Again, that's fine. Just keep that same energy for all the other things too. Because if that's your if that's the, the hill you're going to stand on, then you got a whole host of other hills that are right at your doorstep that you ought to carry the same energy for. All these homeless people on my street corner, that's why I don't believe in God. Just carry that same energy. All these senseless, you know, killings that happen with these unarmed black men, that's why I don't believe in God. Just keep that same energy. All these women who are in need of assistance with, with their bills because rent's getting so high and they just need a little bit of help, that's why I don't believe in God. Keep that same energy. You worried about what's happening in Gaza. I get it. It sucks. But care about your own folk too. If you're going to use that as a reason that you don't want to believe in God, keep that same energy. Because, again, the math just ain't mathing. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We got some good news, something praiseworthy on today. Um, the Golden Gate Bridge unveils new safety nets in a fight against unaliveness. I'm so happy about that. Um, now I'm going to try to read the good stuff because they put a lot of like, ugh, on in here. But updated steel safety nets have been added to San Francisco's iconic Golden Gate Bridge to prevent 
um, on the lives 87 years after it was built, according to the New York Times. And I wanted to read the Times story because that's the one, but I ain't got a subscription and I ain't feel like paying for one. The move to complete the safety net program comes years after the bridge became known for people unaliving. Per the Times, about 2,000 people have unalived by jumping off the bridge. Built to last, the stainless steel nets are meant to withstand rain, wind, salt, and fog. According to the Times, they are visible to those standing at the rail, hanging about 20 feet down, and stretching about 20 feet out. We want the message to be that it's going to hurt. And also that, you know, jumping is illegal. While preventative, the new nets cannot fully stop people from jumping. Several people have jumped into them. Some have been rescued from there, but a handful had jumped into the net and then unalived themselves. Um, according to bridge officials, since 2011, at least um, 335 unalives have been confirmed, an average of 33 a year, not including those who attempted. After the first batch of nets were placed in 2022, more nets were added um, in 2023. And so I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful that someone's doing something, right? Because again, doing nothing ain't work. So they're trying something new. Now, again, I'm, I understand, you know, if people still gonna want to jump, they're going to take, go, go from the net and they still going to jump some more. And so what I would probably try to do is try to find a way to create something that they can't like climb over or cut through or whatever, so that they can complete what they want to do at the bridge. They go, they're going to have to find some place else to complete it, but it's a start. You see what I'm saying? People caring about lives and caring. Like, listen, don't, don't, you ain't got to do this. You don't, you do not have to do this. There is, there is another way. There is another way. And so I'm grateful for the, um, for, for San Francisco doing this, for San Francisco recognizing the need for it and finally doing something to try to help people to deter from, um, the decision to try to hurt themselves. Um, and so again, it's a, it's, it's good news that, you know, allows us to remember, to, to be reminded of the fact that there are some people who still care and they're willing to do what they need to do in order to make sure that people are cared for. Um, if you're ever feeling like you're, you know, feeling some type of way, you know, 988, get on your phone and dial 988, um, and it'll connect you to the, um, to the hotline. Um, you know, you can talk to, you can talk to anybody, um, immediately, 100% free and it'll get, try to get you to some resources to try to help you out as best as they can. Um, and so again, you know, do not feel like, um, do not feel like you have to be alone in any, in, in, in any circumstance that you're in and let this be an opportunity for us to remember that there are some good things that are happening out there in the world. You just got to know where to look. And so again, just be willing and watchful to see the good that's happening out there in the world because there again, there are a lot of great things that are happening if we just know how to view them and know how to see them. So, so yeah, man, I'm grateful. Grateful for that and grateful that um that they that they finally have tried to do something about it. So I'm grateful. Um I want to thank everybody so so much for your 2100 likes on today. 
Thank you for every comment. Thank you for every share. Thank you for every follow. We certainly do great, are grateful for every person who chimed in today um, and grateful that you've given me this opportunity to be able to share just a little bit of gospel truth with you on today. Um, listen, I love you guys so, so much. You guys are freaking awesome. And I am so thankful that you've given us this opportunity to be able to worship with you guys on today. Thank you so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Andy D right here on TikTok Live. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.